Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isabella Gescos. Coming up on today's episode, Harbor Hawks pitcher Jay Driver drove to come sit down with me. The junior from this random, small liberal arts college in Massachusetts has been killing it this summer, only allowing three hits and nine innings and hasn't allowed an earned run. Everything about Jay is impressive, minus his taste in Gatorade. He had me laughing all afternoon, and I bet he will make you laugh as well. Here is Jay Driver. So, Jay Driver, thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate it. So, how do you feel knowing you're the first thing people see when they go to the Hyannis Harbor Hawks website? I feel honored. I think those might be the best pictures ever taken of me. Um, but I, some people have been calling me Jay Hyannis Harbor Hawk Driver just since I'm on the homepage and on the schedule. Um, so I don't know how I, I got blessed with that honor, but I'm, I am very honored and I'm very blessed to be on, uh, on the page. Are you conscious of the faces that you make when you're throwing a pitch? Not at all. I, my game faces aren't too bad. Sometimes it, like when they catch you mid-pitch, it can be pretty embarrassing. Mine aren't terrible. They're not great. I def- definitely don't look great while I'm pitching, but uh, no, I'm not conscious at all. <laughs> so um, you've been described as a nerd. I saw Spencer Williams' TikTok, and they called you the biggest nerd, or the Hyannis Harbor Hawks TikTok, excuse me. What is the nerdiest thing you've done or that you're into? Dang, I did not know that. Uh, I mean, I go to Harvard. That's probably why. Um, but probably the nerdiest thing is I, I have a pretty good like memory and understanding of baseball stats. Um, I don't know if this is, counts as nerdy, but I can. I almost have the office fully memorized I've watched that about five or six times, so I can pretty much recite lines from episodes and seasons and whatnot. Um, I don't know if that counts as nerdy. I feel like that's a pretty good quality. But, yeah, I guess, I don't know, I guess I'd, I do a lot of schoolwork, so I, maybe that's nerdy. What's the best season of The Office or the best episode? That's a great question. The most common answer is Diversity Day, but that's not the right answer. That, that's my favorite, so tell but me why I'm wrong. Well, I mean, it's not a bad episode. It's a great episode. But it's like everybody sees that one. It's in the first season. And obviously, it's a classic. It would never fly in TV today just because of all the impressions and whatnot. I think my favorite episode is probably when Michael burns his foot on his George Foreman grill. That's that's one of my favorite ones. Um, and then Michael Scott's fun run is a great one, too. I actually saw a video the other day that Paul Skeens eats chicken Alfredo before every game. He had to have gotten that from Michael Scott. Michael Scott eats chicken Alfredo before running that, that 5K. So that... Two great athletes, one common denominator. It's got to be the Alfredo. So you're an office super fan is what you're saying. I am, yeah, definitely. And you already name-dropped Harvard, that you go there in your picture and everything. And yep. this was a question for later on, but when someone asks you where do you go to school, do you just name-drop Harvard like that? It's pretty awkward, honestly. It's, it's, a, it's a really uncomfortable conversation because I'm always like, oh, yeah, you know, I go to school in Massachusetts. And they're like, where? I'm like, uh, Harvard, and then they always give me the like, oh, uh, yeah, I know that one or something like that. So it's really awkward. But then I also feel like a little like, I feel snobby if I'm like, I go to Harvard and just say it right away, as if people will know what it is. Um, but yeah, that's usually a pretty uncomfortable conversation. I try to, I try to not reveal that information right off the bat. But if, if it comes up, it comes up. I gotta, I gotta deal with it. Such a difficult, difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's, difficult. these are first world problems here. <laughs> Yeah. So switching gears. So you obviously grew up right around the area. You're from Wellesley, Massachusetts. So how did Wellesley prep you to go to Harvard? Um, I mean, I think the schooling is is definitely a focus there. The I took some definitely challenging courses. Um, I guess my a- academics were a main focus. My parents definitely drilled that into me as a kid. Um, I had some great teachers there that prepped me for the college schoolwork. 
So I think that my mindset as a player when I was younger, I was I was never really the best player on any team. I my I developed pretty late. So my mindset was always to go to a school for baseball that I couldn't get into academically. Um, but yeah, I think the academics were pretty rigorous there. So it prepared me somewhat for the for the course load and homework that I would get at college. Growing up in Massachusetts, did you go to Cape Cod Baseball League games when you were younger? I did, yes. So my dad, his godfather, hosted uh, for the Wareham Gateman. Um, my dad spent a summer driving an ice cream truck on the Cape, and he said that some of the Gateman player would, who were living with him would eat some of his ice cream. Um, but yeah, so he he grew up around the Gateman. I went to a bunch of Gateman games. Uh, I also I'd also been to like Chatham, Bourne. So yeah, that, this was definitely a. As a baseball player, as a baseball fan, the Cape League was a staple of my, my childhood, too. So when you got invited to come here, what were your emotions? It was crazy. I mean, I was, it was surreal. I think during that season, it was like sophomore season. We hadn't, I hadn't played freshman year, so it was my first season with Harvard, and I had gotten invited like 15 or 16 games into the season. Um, and it kind of all happened very fast, and it was really – I had never imagined it as a possibility. I was unsure where my baseball career would be going just since I hadn't really played at the college level yet. Uh, and it was, I was super, super grateful for the opportunity. And then the first time out on the mound was extremely nerve-wracking. Um, that was – it was fun, though. I think, like, you know, channeling the nervous energy into adrenaline and, and putting it towards pitching better can be helpful. Um, but yeah, when I was up on that mound, I was, I was taking it all in. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, take me through your very first, time, your very first game on Cape Cod. So it was, it was last summer. I was closing for the Harbor Hawks. Um, I think that you know, coming in from an Ivy League school, which Harvard is obviously not known for its baseball. That's not the first thing when you think of Harvard. Um, so people, I think they, whatever, they weren't really sure what to think of me as a player. Uh, like obviously, you know. When someone says I'm from an SEC school or ACC, you know, it's probably like a really talented player. But I feel like I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder or something to prove here. So I think going out there for my first outing, I was like, I'm literally just going to throw the ball as hard as I can and see what happens. Um, thankfully, there was the first pitch, like when you throw a strike, the first one, it's a huge exhale. And it's like, all right, like at least I'm not wild today. So I thankfully I threw a strike the first pitch. And then I was like, all right, and I can do this. Um, and it went well three up three down um and I think from there it kind of just gave me the comfortability to know I, I could play here I could belong obviously I struggled it wasn't it wasn't all perfect but yeah I think getting that first one out of the way was good but um it was it was ner it was nerve-wracking when I was doing it yeah you're back for year two right now how has your experience been on Cape and how does it differ from last year to this year um I mean it's been amazing last summer was literally the best summer of my life I think people always hope for that and just the combination of the team the kids on the team new coaching staff I think the Harbor Hawks uh, from what I understand had some poor seasons prior to last summer um, so we finally had a, a really good season and I think the community rallied around that too so there was just a, a lot of positive energy we had a lot of fun in the bullpen um, our coach Beatty let us kind of go crazy down there so that was a lot of fun so it was just yeah really idyllic and then this summer, obviously, it's new people, which is kind of sad. Uh, I think, like, sometimes you want to recreate the magic that was from last year, but you have to understand that people got to move on with their lives and do different things. But still a great group of guys. It's always fun to meet new people. Um, and not a whole lot has changed. I mean, I guess I was starting I, – I, I started from the beginning this year. So that was a, a slightly different, but I have been pitching out of the bullpen too. So not too much has changed. Um, coaching – or I guess we have a new pitching coach, which is good, but – 
Yeah, pretty similar. Do you def- prefer starting or coming out of the bullpen? Do you have a preference? Not really. I think they both have their their pros and cons. Um, I really do love the adrenaline of closing and you know, kind of being the last guy out there. That's a lot of fun. There's like something relieving. There's like a mental, I don't know what the word is, but mentally in your head, when you relieve, you kind of know that you're only out there for an inning or two. So you just like throw it as hard as you can because you're not like saving your energy for anything else. Whereas starting, it's like I might be in here for 60, 80, 100 pitches. So I can't like, you know, waste my bullets in the first inning. And even I try to tell myself to ignore that, but it's hard. So uh, I like both of them. Starting is fun to be in the game for a long time, but closing is really fun to go in there and throw hard and get the win and be the start of the celebration line on the field. So I hear that pitchers have quite the pregame routine. Pre- is that true? Uh, it, it depends. Yeah, some some guys really do. Um, do you? A little bit. I mean, it's nothing crazy. Definitely do a lot of stretching. I don't have much else to do when I'm out there. I play hacky sack when I get there. That's a must. Why hacky sack? I mean, it's a pretty low stress, low risk game. People people tend to enjoy it. So we get we get a good ge- couple games of hacky sack going. I shag BP. Usually eat lunch while I'm there. Kind of kind of you know wander around for a little bit, and then I'll start stretching. Throw before the game. Um, as a reliever, you, like you throw pretty lightly before the game, and then you're gonna likely appear later on. So you don't want to like you know waste waste your bullets early. But as a starter, like that one day a week, that's when you got to pitch. Other than that, it's pretty pretty relaxed. Uh, so I don't have any crazy routines. I'm not like really superstitious. I always put my left sock on first. That's the main thing. Your left sock. Left sock always goes on first. Do you do sock sock shoe shoe or sock shoe sock shoe? Um. I do Important sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Yeah, no, I. It, it feels really weird when you do when you have a full sock and shoe on, and then your other foot's kind of naked over there. So I go sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Um, but yeah, I always left sock first. Uh, and then yeah, my routine pretty pretty standard. Is there ever a change in routine if you're starting or coming out of the bullpen before the game starts? I think you know if you're starting your catch play before the game is um, a little bit, I guess, more intense, you could say, just because you don't have to throw later on in the game. You know, you're working on certain things. It varies day to day. When you're relieving, catch plays pretty similar. Usually before the game, you're just getting a feel for your pitches, only going out to like 90, 120 feet. I guess it depends on the pitcher. But, um, you know, like I said, you got to save some energy for the for when if you get in. Um, but like starting, you know, unless that's the day you got to pitch in the game, you're not going to get in. So you can kind of give your arm put like put it through some work um to work on some stuff this might be kind of a dumb question so i apologize in advance do you count your pitches in your head are you conscious of how like you're on pitch number 45 or during the game during the game yes no i do like to ask uh like at school we have someone who keeps a chart in the dugout and i'll i'll ask them every now and then what like what my pitch count is um, just to get a sense of like oh, I need a quickening here or whatnot, but during the game I have zero clue how many I'm at. I mean like yeah yeah zero clue. I'm not counting. I have a general idea like six, like if it's like the fourth thing I'm probably around sixty or something. Good guesstimate is always yeah. <laughs> You're not aware. exact though. Not exact. So you you hit a little bit on your coaching staff at Hyannis. So how have they developed you? I mean we have I think we have a really really great mixture of coaches. Um, some guys who've been there a long time, Coach Ray Korn down in the bullpen with us, old timer. He's been around the game for over 50 years. Also, happy birthday, Ray. And have your birthday, too, right? You guys shared a birthday. Uh, happy 77th birthday, Ray. Um, so, yeah, he's great. <laughs> he's great. He's really good with, like, um, kind of small fixes to grips or just cues with your windup that can really help. Um, and then 
BJ. He's uh, you know, he's focused more on the dugout, but he's super relaxed, super easygoing. He's literally always in a good mood, and he's someone who you can rely on to put a smile on your face. He t- takes the pressure out of things. I think oftentimes you can get caught up in your performance and, and the like anxiety of being on Cape in front of all the scouts. He's super relaxed. Um, Coach Beatty, he is a great mentor. He's someone who has faced a lot of different um, you know, things in the game of baseball as a coach, player, draft pick, whatnot. He played in the Cape, had an amazing summer here. So he's got some great perspective. Um, yeah, great mentor, also a great coach too. I think last summer coming in, coaching summer ball is a totally different you know, mindset than he was coaching a very talented high school team in Florida. So it's it's different. It's hard to manage. It's like, you know, college kids who have never met each other, but he did a great job and he's doing a great job again this year. Um, so, yeah, I think I feel very lucky. And then our pitching coaches the past years have been great too. You know, it's like in summer ball, you obviously want to learn and you want to develop and go back to school as a better pitcher. But at the same time, they don't try to push any agendas on you or, or make any huge mechanical changes that might alter your performance drastically because at the same time you want to work on things, you also want to perform in front of the scouts and for the team. So, yeah, they do – Coach Korn and Coach Luxus this year, they do a good job of giving you suggestions and letting you kind of work on it th- uh, on your own and not forcing anything on you. They sound amazing. <laughs> they are, they are. So how many pitches do you have in your rep- repertoire and what are you looking to add? So I throw a four-seam fastball, two-seam fastball, slider, and changeup. I don't know if I'm ready to add anything, but I think just working on shoring up my pitches, like such as the changeup, that's been something I've been working on for a long time. And then just being more consistent with the two-seam versus four-seam. Sometimes they can blend together. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm working on adding a new pitch right now, but I think the changeup, you know, becoming a true three-pitch pitcher or four-pitch, I guess, like, if you have two different fastballs, technically it's different pitch, but like having three s- different unique speeds of uh, fastball and slider and changeup. So, yeah, I think working on those pitches up here, um, not adding anything at the moment. What is the difference between a two seam and a four seam? Four seam's usually straighter. Two seam has like uh, with a righty, it, it, it would like run inside to a right handed hitter. Um, and then the four seam stays straight. You can use it up in the zone because like the two seam usually runs into a righty and down so that's a good pitch for getting ground balls or so, or something like that do you know when you're having a great performance are you aware of it are you kind of in a zone where you're just not focusing on it I think when you're out there and your pitches are working and you're commanding and hitting your spots well you're very aware of it and sometimes you can be hitting your spots and commanding really well and it can they can still hit it or other times you know you're executing your pitches out there and they can't touch you and and it feels really good uh, I think like couple outings ago I had like three or four looking strikeouts I think that was a good feeling for me I knew that my stuff was was dialed in just because if they're not even swinging you know you're fooling them pretty well um so I think you can kind of tell when you get on that roll you you start to to work with it and pick up momentum um and I obviously I think the opposite's true too when you're getting hit around and letting all the runs score you, you know that things might not be going as well but like I said there are instances where you could be hitting your spots and they could just be putting a good swing on the ball or vice versa you, your pitches might not be on but they might be grounding out or flying out obviously it's still hard to get a hit even if you make contact so but yeah I do think you're cognizant when you're out there of how things are going why don't pitchers have some kind of celebration you see a guy hit a double and he has a <laughs> double celebration or whatever why yeah. don't you have one? For like a strikeout or something? Not even a strikeout, but when you're having, what, four in a row strikeouts or something, something crazy or some kind of great outing, why don't you have? I think, I mean, that's a, f- that's a very fair question. Um, 
I think it would be a, it would be different in the terms of a double celebration. I think if a pitcher ripped out like a celebration like that, it'd be a little interesting. Some people have like a they call it like a K strut, like a strikeout, like a little walk they do around the mound. Um, do you have one? I don't. I don't personally. Um, I don't. I don't find myself or look at myself as a flashy player. Sometimes I'll get like you know hyped up and my emotions will run high and maybe I'll yell or something like that. But I don't have any sort of celebrations or dances. Um, I think it honestly just draws attention to you and puts like a target on your back. And if you can if you can work with it, if you can make it look cool, I think by all means go for it. But sometimes pitchers or or maybe hitters too will will do a celebration. It's kind of like ah, I don't I don't know about that one. Maybe you prefer to be a silent killer. Yeah, I think if you, I mean, work in silence and then if you get heated up, maybe you yell, get the team fired up too. I think that I think that does that, that works well. How do you bounce back after not a great outing? Um, I mean it's tough. Yeah, I think looking at a bad outing as a learning experience, um, trying to have a, address the problem of why it went poorly and what to work on throughout the week in catch play or in your bullpen, whatever it might be. I think that's the best way to do it. That's definitely easier said than done. Um, I remember last summer in, I think, my third appearance, I gave up a walk-off home run. I'd never done that before. It was a horrible feeling. I was super pissed off, and it was just like a not a good mental space to be in. And I think the next morning I woke up, and I was like, all right, I got to you know flush this out of my brain because if I let this impact how I – you know, work throughout the week or how I go into my next outing, things can spiral out of control and this can turn into a bad situation. Um, so I think it's hard. It comes with experience. You know, sometimes you have to learn from past failures in order to how to deal with it. But yeah, I think if you can look back on an outing that goes poorly and say, oh, you know, I had, you know, 45% strikes or I hadn't, I didn't throw my slider for a strike or I was too slow to the plate. So they were stealing off me, whatever it might be. Something you can take into the next day or the rest of the week to work on um, is, I think, is a good way to look at it. You obviously don't have too many bad outings because you just came back from the combine. I did, yeah. How was that experience? Well, first of all, I have plenty of bad outings. Uh, everybody does, but yeah. Anyway, the combine was really good. It was it was an amazing experience. Um, it was at Chase Field in Arizona. Chase Field is huge. I'm from I from Boston, so I've been on family the past few summers with the Cape League. Chase Field felt like a football field or something. It was uh, crazy. But um, no, it was really cool because there was also a bunch of other prospects and people I had played against here or in school who I knew or, or or met down there. So it's nice, you know, to meet new people who you might cross paths with later on in your baseball experience just to have a friendly face so that you're not as lonely or whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, I, did, uh, I didn't do any playing down there since I was pitching up here. Um, but I did some interviews and some medical stuff, but just the whole environment of like getting flown down there. I remember my, I talked to my advisor and I was like, Hey, I got invited to this combine. And he was like, yeah, you should definitely go. And I was like, all right, I'll get back to you. I talked to my parents and I was like, Oh, there's this thing in Phoenix. I really want to go to it. You think we could do it? And they were like, yeah, yeah, go for it. Like we'll support you. And I called him back. I was like, all right, my parents gave me the green light. And he was like, you know, this is like fully paid for. <laughs> so that was really cool. I felt That's I felt awesome. felt pretty nice to have go down there like flights paid for a bunch of really cool gear meals paid for um there was an app where you could find your schedule so uh it was it, they planned it nicely it, it ran very smoothly for me and it was my first time ever staying in a hotel room alone that was pretty sweet king bed all to myself the luxury right yeah I did put the uh do not disturb sign up because I think I was a little messy so I felt bad for the people who had to come in to clean it but no it was cool yeah it was a great experience so this is your second year on Cape and you're from the Boston area 
where yep. should everyone who's visiting Cape Cod go? That's a good question. You're a local. You should know this stuff. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I spend a lot of time here. So are you talking about to eat or off day, whatever it is? Uh, so, I mean, any beach is really nice. I think staying highness is a good middle ground. Uh, Chatham gets a bad rap just because I guess there's a lot of sharks down there now. So be be cautious around the nighttime down there. But any beach um, is a great time. It's hard to find a bad one. But in, in Hyannis, like Nosset Beach is really nice. Uh, Craigville Beach. Uh, Beachcomber is nice. I'm not, I forget what town that's in. But, yeah, beaches are our main attraction. Golfing is always fun. Pirates Cove Mini Golf. Um, put it on my list this summer to break the course record there. What's the course record? It's 26. <laughs> this is fun. This is like the third time I've told people about this. But we have a group uh, who goes almost every day. I've been dwindling a little bit just because I was away last week. Um, it's also just, you know, it's a hard commitment to play to play 18 holes of mini golf every day. But Buster Posey allegedly set the record at 26, which is uh, eight. Let me do this math. Eight hole-in-ones, I think, or ten hole-in-ones. And then... Yeah, ten hole in ones and eight hole in twos. So ten hole in ones is an absurd round of mini golf. Yeah. Uh, I have not. I got to. I got a thirty-three. That's my best score yet. Um, they said the highest team said they're gonna mic me up and video me out there with some of my teammates. So that might be fun. But that's a good mini golf. So it's great. And then for food, daily paper on West Main Street in Highness is literally the best breakfast place you could go to. I've never heard someone go there and give a bad review about it. Um, I get the breakfast burrito, 10 out of 10. Um, but, yeah, everything on the menu is good. And then Chatham Squire, good spot to go if you are of age. Um, <laughs> Fun times. Uh, yeah, if you have an off day, you have an off day. Never, 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 never before the game. Priority. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'd say those are some of the main attractions I can think of. Okay, so what is one question I haven't asked you but I should? Oh, wow. Hmm. Well, you could do some... Uh, you know, short, fun questions, um, <laughs> like my pregame meal. Uh, oh, what is your pregame meal? Peanut butter jelly sandwich. Oh, this is, you got me on something. What kind of peanut butter? Crunchy? Skippy. Skippy. Smooth. Smooth. Jelly. Yeah. What, this is the important question. Strawberry. That's the wrong answer. It's grape. It has to be grape. Why does it have to be grape? Because grape is the OG. It is the OG, but strawberry, in my opinion, is just better. They also call it preserves now. What's up with that? Why do they, like... <laughs> Can you just say jelly? They want to make it sound fancy. I guess. All healthy and everything. Wait, so what's the ratio? Peanut butter to jelly. It's like way heavier peanut butter. Agreed. Okay. Maybe like 70% peanut butter, 30% jelly. I can get it. Yep, I follow you on that. What, slice on the middle, diagonal. I'm I don't very slice it. I don't this. slice it. You don't slice it? No. You just go for it. Uh, yeah, I just eat it. Like, yeah, I don't slice it. I just put, take it out of the toaster, put the peanut butter, put the jelly on. So you toast the sandwich? Oh, 100%, yeah. Does it really elevate it that much? Well, it melts the peanut butter a little bit, which is pretty nice. It does. I mean, it's it's warm. Yeah, it's like it's so much better when it's warm. There's actually a, a common question on the draft questionnaires, or it's not. I don't know how common it is, but there is a question, and the question is, do you keep peanut butter in the cabinet or the fridge? That's a, that's a question they ask you. What I say, cabinet. Yeah, I said I've never met somebody who says fridge, yeah. and I was trying to think. Some, I think sometimes when you do those questionnaires, you can think too much into them and say, like, what do they want me to say? Yeah. Definitely cabinet. I don't know why I, it's in the fridge. Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, event spread. would cause you to put in the fridge. Maybe if you're doing, like, dessert or something. But, like, it's hard to spread then or even scoop if you're doing dessert. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know who puts it in the fridge. Yeah, so many thoughts. So many questions. <laughs> um, what kind of bread do you use? Final one on peanut butter and jelly, then we'll move on. Dave's Killer Bread, the green one. It's like a healthy bread, I think. Is it? 
whole grain or what is it? Yeah, it's called Dave's Killer Bread because I'm pretty sure Dave was formerly in jail. I think. <laughs> I'm, I think, but it's really good. It's good, it, and it's like I don't know the nutrition facts on it, but I think it's good for you. Um, it's got some grains in it. I like wheat bread. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's my bread of choice. <laughs> okay. Sticking with food, I hear you love Frosted Flakes. That's the best. Yeah, I, hear. I do. I do like Frosted Flakes. Where does that fit into the routine? You know, I've I've been off them recently. Trying to be healthy, I try to go eggs for breakfast, but sometimes you go out of the dining hall. There's no good options. Okay, well you go to Harvard, the dining hall there. At least at Yale, the food looks elite. The dining hall must be what so you, good at Harvard. You go to Yale? I do not go to Yale. How do you know saying, the Yale? I've seen like the videos on TikTok. They do TikTok videos of their dining hall. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so what do you say? The Harvard food looks bad? No, it looks amazing. I've seen the Harvard food. It looks amazing. It looks good. You're, you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, uh, it depends on what you're going for. I think sometimes, um, I mean, I'm going to be honest here. I, I don't mind it. I have not heard rave reviews about the dining hall food. Um, but breakfast, they do only three houses on campus do hot breakfast every day. So my house does not. So I, they, when I go down for breakfast, unless I want to go to a different house, they only have bagels, yogurt, and cereal. So sometimes if, I'm, if I wake up late or I'm feeling lazy... Uh, I'll go down there and, and do some frosted flakes, but yeah, I've kind of been off the cereal. I like eggs. I eat eggs for breakfast a lot. <laughs> Going back to TikTok, um, Spencer Williams, you're featured in a few of his videos. Oh, geez. When he says, Hey, get in this, are you, I'm not one to jump on the opportunity. Um, I think I'm, I, I don't know which ones I'm in. I don't have TikTok. I don't know which ones I'm in. Uh, probably only a couple, but I'm sure he's made a lot more that I'm not in. Um, but yeah, I'm not someone who, who's eager to be on camera or, or doing them. He's good. He, he has a, from what I understand, he has a large following. He does. I don't, I don't have TikTok, but, uh, not a social media guy. Every time he posts one, I mean, I have Twitter. Twitter's the best. I have Twitter and, and Instagram and Snapchat. Uh, I kind of moved away from Snapchat a little bit though, but anyway, Twitter is the king. But yeah, so whenever some, whenever he makes TikTok, it gets sent to me like 10 or 12 times. And if I'm in it, then it's way more. But, yeah, I don't, I don't like to usually put my face out there with those videos, but uh, I, I understand he does a good job making them. So, fair enough. And we'll to end this. Actually, we're gonna go talk. About, we're gonna talk about Twitter. Okay. You have some interesting tweets, and from my understanding, you used to have a lot more. Yeah, I had a few more, and then I, I got recommended to take some of them down. Fair enough. Nothing offensive. It was just like yeah, weird. Mean, it was stupid. Yeah, you're pointless. Your kid. Yeah, so I don't have the dates on these, and that's my bad. So I just kind of want to read these and hear your thoughts, maybe elaborate a little further. Okay, sure, yeah, yeah, I don't remember any of these. Just realized I've never seen a mini Gatorade sold anywhere else in a grocery store. Yeah, I mean, have you ever been to a gas station where there's mini Gatorades? I've never looked for mini Gatorades. But, like, the mini Gatorades, they have them in whatever grocery store in, like, a 12-pack or whatever because it's, like, you bring them to your kids' games or something like that. But, like, could they do us a favor and sell them for, like, 99 cents at the gas station or something like that? Like, that would be so sweet because everything's so overpriced. Like, to sell one of the mini ones for, like, a dollar, I would totally buy those. What flavor? Um, there is a right answer to this question, by the way. Uh, okay, I, I choose between three. I got blue, yellow, and orange. I'm out on red. That's the second best one. It Blue, just makes red, your tongue, it, it like totally changes your day with your tongue. But why are you drinking yellow and orange? Those are the two worst flavors. You see, yellow, you're sleeping on yellow. It's, it's the, like probably the, I think it's the first flavor and it might be the most common, but like 
you don't give enough time to go and say, I'm going to get a yellow Gatorade and sit and enjoy. You're always like, oh, that's basic. I'm not going to go with yellow. Yellow's good. It actually is good. Or like uh, in the dining hall, they have yellow Powerade. Always ripping yellow Powerade. Um, Powerade over Gatorade kind of guy? No, or? I'm not. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. Um, you seemed really excited about the Powerade, so I wanted to. Well, ask. they don't have Gatorade in the dining hall, so I'll do the Powerade. But I like the Gatorade. Uh, like, I don't know. I was drinking a red Gatorade the other day. It's just like so, you can like taste the sugar on your teeth. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> with so the red specifically. When you're in the dugout and they have Gatorade and you pour and it's red, are you just I'm mixing, so disappointed? I'm mixing them with. You always got to mix. You got to dilute the Gatorade with the water. First of all, I'm a, uh, always hydrating in the dugout. You got to take advantage of the time as a pitcher, especially as a starter. There's a lot of downtime, so I'm always doing hydrating in the dugout. But you got to go like half Gatorade, half water. And they, they, but uh, to answer your question, red is it's like never the flavor. It's blue, purple, or yellow. That's what they do. Purple's pretty good too. I like purple. Purple's good. Okay, so next one. Mixed feelings about seeing people's Spotify songs on your computer. It can really tell you a lot about someone. But I also don't want people on my case if I want to bump Halo in the car. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> exactly. I hate when people send me a picture. It's like I'm, I'm listening to Issues by Julia Michaels, and it's like, what if I just want to listen to that? And they're like, why are you listening to this? And I'm like, it's a great song, or Halo. Like, it's a great song. But some people are like, send you a picture, and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm literally in the car, full volume, listening to this song. Are you singing it? Sometimes. Sometimes, okay. I'm not a very good singer, so. Belting it out? No, no. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it can tell you a lot about someone if they're listening to, like, folk music or so- sometimes I'll go on Spotify. I don't listen to it on my computer very often. But sometimes you go on and it's, like, it's a questionable song that one of your friends is listening to. And, you know, I don't, I don't ever bring it up because of that tweet. I know the feeling. But, yeah, it's mixed. I think some, so- some songs people want to, wanna, you know, mess with you about, but they're good. Other times you see someone listening to a song and you're like, wow, What's- that – you seem to have a personal experience with seeing someone else's uh, and you go, oh, no. Well, folk music, yeah. There's someone who's listening to folk music. Not a folk music guy? Well, it's just like a I'm, – I'm very curious. Maybe I should ask them, but I don't want to confront them about their Spotify. <laughs> what mood one would be in to be going folk music? Who knows? What are you normally listening to in the car? Uh, I like rap and country. Two very polar opposites, by the way. Well, yeah, I think you get the best of both best of both worlds. In the summertime in the Cape, oftentimes I'm listening to country, um, but I like rap too, so I mix it up. I would say I'm more so rap than country, but I think I like both. Can you give me your three favorite artists or songs from each category? My favorite rapper is Future. Great choice. Thank you. My favorite country artist is probably Tyler Childers. Great choice as well. So, yeah, those are probably who I listen to the most. Um, i trying to think whether, yeah, that, that's probably, that's mainly, I mix it up otherwise. Like, I like uh, um, Kanye and uh, Gunna, and I, 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 I like all of them. Okay. Last one. Joe Kelly comes in with the Yodeling Kid remix, <laughs> then pegs Tyler Austin, new favorite player. I was at that game. Yeah, I'll never forget it. Joe Kelly, he was on the Red Sox, and remember the yodeling kid in the, he, he was in Walmart, and he was singing that song. Um, he has an album. No, I know, but who's the, is it Hank Greenberg or something? Someone, some guy, 
had a song and he was yodeling it in Walmart and it got videotaped and then there was a remix to it like a trap remix or something and Joe Kelly had that as his walkout song it was Red Sox Yankees he came out with that song and then like the second batter he had he like hit him and the guy was like talking uh I was about to swear but I didn't uh he was talking to him and then he, Joe Kelly was like trying to fight him and it was it was pretty cool so I was pretty upset when they let him go, but yeah, that was really cool. That was like one of my favorite games to be at. It was it was pretty amazing. Can you yodel? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. All right, into final final question. What are you most looking forward to in the upcoming weeks, months? That's a good question. I'm looking forward to enjoying some uh summertime. I the Harbor Hawks unfortunately my tenure with the Hawks will be coming to an end at the end of this week. Well, I mean, technically it also already came to an end. I got released this morning. But uh, it was mutual. It was mutual. Breaking news. Um, it wasn't a bad breakup. I, As long as they put the number in the rafters, 23, as long as they retire it, I, won't, I want no hard feelings. I was going to ask, and I know I just said that was the last question, but is that after MJ? Uh yeah, kind Big of, number. kind of. I, I it was like one of the only ones available at school, and it was like between twenty three and like forty, and I was like twenty three. Like definitely feels more inspiring than forty. Um, nothing wrong with forty. Uh, <laughs> just felt felt more to me. Also, I, that was like pretty soon after I'd watched the Last Dance docu series, which was amazing. Uh, MJ over LeBron all day. I hate LeBron so much. Uh, yep. There we go, 23. But, uh, yeah, so I guess it kind of asked for MJ. And then once uh, last summer I had, like, the fourth pick in the number draft, and I was like, I might as well just go with the same number I have at college. But the, the jerseys run really big in Hyannis. It's like a dress I'm wearing out there. But that's part of the part of the deception, you know. I It's like I'm wearing baggy clothing, and they're probably like, oh, who is this kid? Doesn't look very professional. And then surprise him. Surprise him. Yeah. Yeah, the J and MJ obviously stands for J Driver. Obviously. Obviously. Michael J. Obviously. Well, Jay, thank you so much for coming in. Thank I really you for having appreciate me. it. Thanks. And that's it for today's episode of the podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe. Once again, thank you to Jay Driver for taking the time. I'm Isabella Gescos and tune in next week for the next edition of the podcast.